Hello, everybody. Welcome to Movie Talkers, where we talk about movies and the people who talk during them. We are your hosts, Hunter and Grant. And today we are going to be talking about Disney Pictures Presents, a Marvel Picture Studio production, Black Widow. Black Widow is back from the dead, but not really. It's 1995, and we're finding out what Black Widow did after Civil War. So, Hunter, what did you think of Black Widow? Well, Scarlett Johansson finally gets her own movie after a decade of being sidelined and eventually just killed off kind of unceremoniously. So it was okay. I agree. It, it was, uh, she deserves better as an actress who deserves to be in better movies. Uh, what I was most surprised about though is, you know, I was expecting just a kind of middling Marvel movie, which this was, but a lot of this movie surprisingly didn't really feel like a typical Marvel movie. That's what was weird about it, is that it felt like it had a very different uh, tone to it, where it felt like it was far darker, the themes and the subject matter is far more serious, and not very kid-friendly. So yeah, it's like this movie was kind of weird for me, because there was things about it that I really liked, and there were other things about it that were kind of holding it back from being really good. I agree, uh, especially about the subject matter. Uh, specifically, I mean, when you're talking about Black Widow and the school that makes the Black Widows. It's been alluded to before that they um, rob these women of like the reproductive organs and the right to have children and that sort of stuff, but they never really go past that. It's just saying that that's what happens, right? But um, they give you a little more of an in-depth look at, uh, I guess, the atrocities that the, what, the Red Room is what it's called, um, does to these girls. Um, but otherwise, I, I didn't think it was too um, not for children. You know, there's still lots of action, lots of Rudy Tootie point and shooty. Um, not enough for uh, an espionage movie, in my opinion. But still, you know, it, it did ride that line between like, is this too dark for the general audiences? But is this is required, you know, to explain the backstory of Black Widow? Well, I think it's, you know, with a lot of superheroes, just the subject matter is very simplistic or it's not as heavy, I guess you can say. I, well, you know, the first Iron Man movie, it's about him, you know, selling weapons to terrorists and all that stuff. But, you know, it's still a pretty light type of action movie that a kid can enjoy with a lot of action. It's like this one, it had like a lot of lulls between the action and not like in a bad way. But it, yeah, it, it just, it didn't have that typical Marvel type of feel to it. Like it felt like it had a bit more of an identity than the other Marvel movies. And I think that's it, um, also the fact that it's like kind of so, like kind of removed from the Marvel movies as well, where it feels like kind of just like a side story. Right, well it is a prequel after all. But the lulls in between the action, um, I, I didn't really uh, care for them. It, it, I went into this movie expecting like Scarlett Johansson and uh, Florence Pugh just kicking ass and taking names and fighting Taskmaster all the time. And if there were, uh, you know, a little more substance to the lulls in between the action, a little more like character development, a little more, um, I guess, uh, reconciliation from the father figure, that sort of stuff, I think it, the movie would have worked a little more for me. Uh, but ultimately, I think those, those lulls is where it fails the most for me is that there's a lot of like exposition dump. Um, this movie is really just a one big flashback, but they still have to, you know, flash further back to explain the, the main antagonist of the film. 
Um, so that, that's that's ultimately probably the biggest thing I dislike about the movie is the the character development or lack thereof in the in between the action set pieces. Yeah, well, I think that's just because the movie is kind of uh, I guess in between a rock and a hard place when it comes to what it has to do because. It has to be a solo Black Widow movie, and Black Widow was introduced as just a side character in Iron Man 2, and she's always just been a supporting character, one of the few characters that doesn't get her solo movie first. And with uh, this one, it's like it's um, it, you can't really go the prequel route anymore, where it's like a prequel prequel before Iron Man 2, because you know that was 11 years ago. Scarlett Johansson's going to look older, and there's uh, more with the character that you can do if you go later in her life. So they're going to be like, okay, we're going to set it after Captain America: Civil War, and see what she was doing, because. I, I feel like um, Disney was just kind of, uh, you know, had uh, kind of cold feet when it came to making a Black Widow movie because, you know, it was going to get made in the early 2000s, I guess, before Disney got the Marvel Disney got the rights and everything before the Avengers and everything. But, you know, people never got made because it wasn't going to make money. And so I feel like, you know, Disney just kind of had wet feet or cold feet because they were just like, uh, we don't think Black Widow movie herself is just going to be successful enough. And then DC beats them to the punch with a female-led superhero movie with Wonder Woman that's such a big hit. And they're like, oh, let's make Captain Marvel. And uh, oh, let's finally give Black Widow a movie. Uh, sir, we're, we're killing her off in the next movie. J just set it between the Avengers or something like that. Or just set it in one movie. Like, who, who cares? We need a solo movie for her. So it's cool that Scarlett Johansson finally gets her solo movie. But it's just like, yeah, you get a story itself that's not too interesting because... I don't know, it's just kind of trying to do too much, I felt, with trying to explain her backstory and explain her relationships with her family, I guess you could say. I agree that the movie did spread itself too thin. Uh, ultimately, it still does like the, the normal Marvel stuff, like she saves the day, um, stops, or gets the master list of Black Widows that are in bed with like political leaders and stuff, and they, they crash a giant floating base out of the sky. So that's still, you know, ticking all the boxes for the Marvel movies. But ultimately, it it couldn't do both at the same time. Like I noticed that certain uh, scenes with not only the family dynamic, but certain characters like Florence uh, Pugh or um, the father uh, were cut short, like their fight scenes, um, because it was too busy kind of trying to plug holes in the plot where it was creating them. You know, it was constantly trying to keep up with itself by dumping exposition so the audience could be up to date with what's going on or why we should care, um, you know, why they're trying to go uh, find this evil guy who's trading all the Black Widows. So it, it's kind of backtracking while it's proceeding forward as a movie. And, it, and like you said, it, it puts it in, in between a rock and a hard place because that's really unconventional. And especially for the Marvel franchise, they kind of bank on being more conventional or the same sort of conventional that the previous movie is. There's a, a theme or like, a, I don't want to say a formula, but I agree that this is probably the least Marvel, Marvel movie so far. You talk about like having to take a step back and it's like this movie literally does take a step back because if you're gonna, it's part of phase four of the Marvel movies, but Infinity War or yeah, that's one where she dies is the end of phase three. And so if you're gonna start phase four, and I think this is technically the first movie in phase four, then you're gonna be basically going back in time. And every Marvel movie with the way that they've kind of planned out the series is like, you know, each movie is leading into what the next movie is. 
And with the reason why this movie exists and the fact that it takes place uh, before, uh, before a couple movies that already have come out, it makes it less of like, oh, this is what happens next and more of, a, oh, this is just what Black Widow was up to during this time. Like, it, it develops her characters and it introduces, you know, like Florence Pugh's character, her sister, who's obviously going to be in the series from here on out. And I'm sure that they can, you know, incorporate uh, David Harbour's character, the Red Cap Communist Captain America, you know. But, um, yeah, it just felt like it, it's just, yeah, just this is what Black Widow was up to. It doesn't really feel like you need to watch this one to get, get the full gist of the series, unless, like, you know, some stuff in later movies calls back to it, but I don't know. Right, and this is actually my big fear when it comes to comic book movies, because we've gotten the, the big, grandiose stuff out of the way. We, we've gotten the solo movies for all our main event, well, the, the main four that people or the producers thought we cared about, you know, um, uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Uh, Black Widow just got hurts now, but Hawkeye still yet to get one. But those big, important, grand world-saving movies are out of the way and it feels like we're getting into um i would describe this movie similar to a comic in a line like let's say you're reading a giant comic book line that incorporates like all sorts of different characters and you'd have to read certain issues from this character's comic to, uh, to get the full picture it feels like this is Black Widow 7 through 12 that's part of a, a larger run that you really don't need to read to understand the gist of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, maybe this something will call back to the Red Room in a later movie or something like that, but this is ultimately um, akin to those comic books where it's about the smaller pieces on the board and what they're doing in relation to the bigger pieces, i.e. like Thanos and, and the super-powered Avengers, things like that. Which is not a bad thing, but it, it, I mean, Black Widow's doesn't have amazing superpowers, so she's not going to push a nuke through a hole in the sky or anything crazy like that. But this does seem like a smaller scale, and I feel like that might be a negative thing for the Marvel movies, less so than it would be for like an actual comic book. Like if you're reading, I don't know, the, the actual Civil War, I'm sure that there's like side comics that you don't need to read to understand Civil War. This feels like a side movie that you don't need to watch to understand the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and it just kind of, like, since the story is so inconsequential and they don't, like, tie it in as much as it feels like, and it doesn't really, you know, because if this is the first movie of Phase 4, the first movie of Phase, phase whatever is supposed to kind of set up what's coming up, and this doesn't feel like it sets up a whole bunch of stuff, and it just kind of goes to show that really the reason this movie exists is because I think Disney finally just kind of conceded and said, all right, you Black Widow fans and Scar Scarlett Johansson want your Black Widow movie so bad. And I think they also saw that, oh, female-led superhero films can make money. And so they decided to go all in on that. But at this point, it just feels like too little too late. And there was like this weird feeling I got like, I'm enjoying the story and I, you know, I, I like Scarlett Johansson a lot as Black Widow, you know, and, and I was thinking it's too bad that she's going to die in the future and it's just like, yeah, you get, you learn about her character and with her relationships and you learn more about her backstory and everything because that was always kind of vague. It was always, just, and, and I don't watch the Marvel movies over and over. I probably watch them once and kind of forget about them later on, but you know, it's always just been kind of like she's a Russian, ex-Russian spy. And that has been her whole thing. And so they, they they kind of explored that a little bit. It wasn't as 
interesting, I guess, as I was hoping, but yeah, it was typical, like, bad guy takes women off the streets and brainwashes them and makes them super badass and has them go around and assassinate people. And, you know, e even though there's not a whole lot of action throughout, I enjoyed, you know, Black Widow's kind of, like, identity crisis, you know, where she kind of defected from the Russian government and became a good guy with the, the Avengers, and she's working with her sister, who's a former Black Widow, and they're kind of at odds there with their ideals. And then she has her parents, who are obviously Russians, and they were Russian spies at the beginning. And, and, and that's what I mean about this movie not feeling like a Marvel movie, feeling like it's almost like a movie you would see in the DC movies or almost like the Sony movies. Like, like The Amazing Spider-Man 2 opens up with uh, people running around in espionage and secrecy and not superhero stuff. So there's like stuff like that. And the opening credit sequence, which we brought up after we saw the movie, that this is one of the few Marvel movies that has an opening credit sequence because they're usually at the end. And with that, it just felt like that was there because, oh, this will be an easy way for uh, to explain a lot of her backstory in like three or four minutes and give people the gist. And they play uh, a slow piano rendition of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it, it just kind of felt like uh, something Zack Snyder would do it, like with the opening it reminded me of the opening credits of uh of the joss whedon justice league where they're playing the everybody the slow down everybody knows version yeah just like just kind of edgy for the sake of it type of thing playing it on thick with the social commentary i mean this sort of did the same thing where it has like um, it actually didn't go as deep into it uh, as far as the imagery goes because I remember in previous Marvel movies like when Scarlett Johansson gets Scarlet Witched, um, she has like a little memory um, oh, yeah. of the, uh, the Red Room, um, which I, I didn't imagine it as like a floating fortress in the sky. Um, I imagined it to be a little more John Wick, you know, like John Wick's school where it's like a bunch of dudes Greco-Roman wrestling and then a bunch of girls ballerina-ing, but they're actually learning how to be super assassins or something like that. that that's what I was thinking that that would be, but it was just like a bunch of like uh, pictures of them setting up like the fake family photos spliced in with just generic like CCTV espionage stuff. So it, it did feel very Snydery, but it also felt like a mid-2000s opening of a movie where it has that intro bit of the past and then it's cut to title, and then it has like the intro credits, like kind of like the uh, opening of the movie 28 Days Later. It's like that, but not as well done. Or like the openings of the recent Godzilla movies, where they're the opening credits and they're showing all the snippets from other movies and whatnot. And yeah, and, and that's what I mean about this movie not feeling like a typical Marvel movie with that type of opening, with the type of tone and the very serious subject matter that they're going for. and. You know, yeah, it, feel, it feels almost like a halfway point between regular Marvel movies and like the Netflix Marvel shows, like Daredevil and like The Punisher and all that, that are really grounded and gritty and incredibly violent and deal with very mature adult themes. It, it almost feels like a couple steps away from that, but because it's a large, like wide release movie, it has to be PG-13. Kind of has to hold some stuff back. It can't get as heavy as it wants to. It's funny you bring that up because during the movie, like I'm noticing that stuff is obviously on the cutting room floor, mostly like fight scene stuff, I'd imagine. Um, like specifically Taskmaster, uh, they they talk about how Taskmaster can copy everybody's fighting styles and stuff, and, and 
did some claw stuff and um, cuts away immediately to uh, before they would do any uh, T'Challa or uh, Black Panther fighting, which I was really keen to see. That that's a cool part about Taskmasters throws the shield, does some Hawkeye shit, has every, one of everybody's move, Spidey swings the whole whole nine yards. But I found myself thinking during those parts that were cut short, like, why isn't this a Disney Plus original? I feel like the amount of exposition that is in it uh, would cater better to multiple 45 minute episodes, as well as the darker subject matter actually seems more in line with what's going on on the Disney Plus. It's like a medium between the Netflix, like really dark and gritty uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that, but not as bright and cheery as the movies. And some of the movies get a little darker outside of this one, but. I found myself thinking that the scope of this project would find, uh, I guess, just be better or well, more well received as a, a series. Yeah, I mean, possibly. And I think, you know, with the action being cut short, that's just the director of the movie, Kate Shortland, who has never directed an action movie before. And that's the typical Marvel formula. Take a director who has made some quality indie movies because they're easy to control. Be like, hey, this is a night A, a big paycheck, and B, a nice step for your career and everything. And I'm sure she was like, cool, I'll do it. With uh, the action scenes, obviously, the director is not very experienced with such a large budget and action sequences. And when we do get to see the action scenes, like you can tell because the way that they're shot and edited, it's very, uh, it felt kind of like the Bourne, later Bourne movies, especially the hotel fight scene or the apartment fight scene with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh. It felt like it was Jason Bourne movie where they're using their environment to fight each other and everything. But it's very shaky and the camera jumping around a lot. And especially at the end, like, you know, you bring up Taskmaster. You know, I'm not a huge comic guy, but I always thought Taskmaster was cool. Literally my only exposure to him is to Marvel versus Capcom, but he's a really cool character. It's a cool idea that he just copies people's moves. And so he has, you know, Captain America moves, Spider-Man moves and all that stuff. And so when I found out he was gonna be in the movie, I was like, or it's a she here. I was like, oh cool, Taskmaster's in it. I like Taskmaster. And yeah, it's like, you know, she doesn't really do a whole lot. And it's just, she's just kind of there as like a heavy villain. She's not even like the main villain. And she's just kind of, yeah, there to be the lackey for the main bad guy, who is her father, who is uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Winstone. And, but yeah, it's, uh, she does a couple cool things, but I thought the same thing when she's about to fight uh, David Harbour as Captain Communist. And she like does the whole Black Panther thing with the claws. I was like, oh, that's cool. She knows the T'Challa thing. And I was expecting a really cool creative fight scene where you see her doing that, or you see the Taskmaster doing the Spidey swing or doing the Captain America shield throw thing. But it makes me think of how, it makes me think of if there was really anything on the cutting room floor to begin with, or if it was just they didn't even like, like shoot that stuff because eh, we don't want to. Like David Harbour is, uh, not clearly not the most like athletic man in the world you can tell and so i wonder if just they didn't want to shoot around having a stunt double and like it, it just kind of reeks of like we don't really want to and so it was but it was frustrating when you know and, and plus that kind of moment's hyped up in the trailers where you see he's about to fight taskmaster at the end and yeah you barely get to see any of it they fight for 20 seconds and then it'll cut away to scarlett johansson and florence Pugh and the other characters doing their thing for like two or three minutes and it cuts back to them fighting for 20 seconds, and it's not even that cool or exciting, really. Taskmaster was a disappointment. 
unfortunately. I, I will agree 100% there. I, I thought that they were, so in the beginning, David Harbour's character is getting a tattoo in prison and he's telling some story about how he almost defeated Captain Merrick or had him by that close or something like that. And in the story he says, and I might be recalling this incorrectly, he says that Captain America threw a shield at him and he caught it. He got Captain America's shield. I was like, oh, okay. So Taskmaster is gonna have David Harbour on the ropes at the end and it's gonna go for the final shield smash and David Harbour's gonna catch it. And you know, it's gonna come full certain. No, of course not. They So that makes me think that yes, there is stuff that that fight scene was cut short, which I don't understand because the reason that I got my ass in the seat was one, I love Scarlett Johansson, I love Florence Pugh, but I wanted to see David Harbour kick some ass as big, you know, big old Captain Communist. That was gonna, that, that was the main reason I was there is I wanted to see him actually kick some ass as a, a red superpowered dude. If it wasn't gonna happen in Hellboy, it's gonna happen here. <laughs> and it didn't. I, I'm very disappointed no. in Taskmaster, specifically that fight, because I wanted to see Taskmaster do some of the claw stuff, throw some some shields, do a spidey swing. Do it, I think you see Taskmaster, she shoots like one and a half arrows with the cool flippy outy, you know, Clint Barton bow and arrow mm -hmm. that, that she's got. It just, with all the cool ideas that were introduced with the Taskmaster character, like this character, can do any of the moves that don't require superpowers, basically. Like they have, when they introduce the character, she's there watching footage of Captain America fighting in Sarkovia or something like that. So it would stand to reason that she's got all the moves. Why not show them? Especially if you're gonna go through the trouble of doing the the Black Panther claw, like the, that equivalent of the Wolverine claw thing. Like, you know that's Black Panther's pose. Yeah. And then you just cut, hard cut after that? I don't get it. And you know that's gonna hype people up and like get them pumped for the this big fight scene. It's gotta be in the scene. trailer. Yeah, and then it just gave me flashbacks to the Dark Knight Rises where Batman and Bane during the big battle scene at the end where the whole city's at war, they're about, they're, they start fighting each other and then it cuts to Gary Oldman running around trying to stop the bomb. And I, I still remember, uh, just still vividly remember being in that theater, Dark Knight Rises, like, all right, they're fighting, and then it cuts away. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then it cuts back to them, they fight for like a minute and a half, and then it's all done. And then Bane gets just after that. And it just gave me flashbacks to that, and it just made me think that David Harbour saw more action in his little fight scene with Chris Hemsworth in that Extraction movie last year than he did here. He saw more action in his fight with three CGI giants in Hellboy. Yeah. Which, it, which was literally just him in front of a green screen. Yeah, it's too bad. And like I said, I know he's not the most athletic guy and everything, but you know, they, they make jokes about the fact that he's fat and that he can't fit into the suit that well. So, you know, you use that to your advantage. I want to see him throw his yeah, weight around. Yeah, you can still do a decent action scene with that. He can Zangief people or something yeah. like that. He's a big guy, you know, that's, just because he's a little overweight doesn't mean he can't still kick ass. I wanted to see him like put his fists through Taskmaster's helmet or something. Like, yeah. He, he, I know David Harbour's probably not that tall, but they made him out to be like six foot six in this movie. He's a yeah. They make he, him look big. He's a Russian. He's the he's got the injection or whatever or the Russian version of the super soldier serum. The, the action scenes, you know, were not up to snuff. You know, they're they're fine, but that you know. No, nothing special. It was really just mostly the characters, the the main story with 
Black Widow and meeting her, you know, family, her dysfunctional family. And, you know, I liked all the characters of their family and I thought they had good chemistry with each other. You know, it's all, they're all great actors, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz and David Harbour. And yeah, you know, I thought they all brought it and I really enjoyed like their their dinner scene together, like when they first reunite and everything. And you know they they also they always plant these seeds too, where it's like, oh, is Rachel Vice going to be the main bad guy or something? It's like, oh no, she ends up helping them out. And everybody has their own little character arcs that are satisfying enough for me to where you know I was still I still gave a shit even though the action scenes were just boring and they kept being annoying and cutting away from what was going on. I agree. I still I still gave a, a shit too. You know, it it did. Uh, in classic Marvel or Disney Marvel fashion, it's not a bad movie. It's it's almost never going to be with that big of a heavyweight of a studio behind it. Um, this, unfortunately, I think it it was a little too middling, and um, ultimately, it's. I mean, I think Black Widow should have got a, a little more of a, a proper send off earlier on. I mean, granted. She's already dead at this point. Everybody knows. It. I mean, if you haven't seen Endgame and you're going into Black Widow, uh, I think I think there's something wrong, right? But ultimately, like you, you're going into this movie, you know what's happened, what's already happened to the main character. So that the its ability to at least make you care a little bit when you know that this character died in a movie before before this one, I think is at kind of a, a I don't want to say a big deal, but I think that's it's not easy for a movie to do that. Like, not only, it's not like you know that this character is going to live or is going to die at the end. This character is already dead going into the movie. What really makes the movie work, you know, because we know she dies and everything, is that the stakes aren't like super world ending. It's just, oh, she just has to stop the bad guy because he fucked up her life and he's kidnapped girls and has assassins and everything like that. She has to free them. He's not trying to nuke the world or anything like that like when they went up to his big old like Dr. Robotnik fortress in the sky I was thinking oh no it's I bet it's gonna turn into a laser or something but no it didn't the guy is just an asshole who just has these assassins and you know they make it a character you know type of uh, climax where you know when David Harbour he's fighting Taskmaster, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz are doing their own little action stuff but everything with Black Widow is just like yeah she fights the Black Widows that come in after she kills the bad guy and like or after he gets away and like she rescues them but the main climax of her talking to the main bad guy is just talking to him like she punches him a couple times because there's this whole thing where it's like he has these pheromones that controls the Black Widow where the, the, if, if they if, can smell him, they can't punch yeah, him. Yeah, if you have the Black Widow blood or whatever, then yeah, if you can smell him, you can't punch him. And then she, sm she smashes her face into a table to break her nose so she can't smell him. I was like, that's kind of cool. Uh, it's like, that's it's kind of neat. I like that. And so, yeah, it was just you know, very interesting how it, it, they made it completely character-driven, but that was just the wise choice because you can't have... A character we already know is dead be like you know held on the edge of a cliff by the bad guy and then she gets saved at the last minute or she has the upper hand because you know she's not gonna die and obviously you any any superhero movie especially the marvel ones you know the hero is gonna you know prevail and everything like that so you never you never know that they're gonna die and you always know they're not gonna die anyways 
But you know, they uh, the way they handled it for having to basically make like a like an interquel movie that's kind of like non-consequential and has to explore a character that has to explore a lot of backstory with this character, give her a proper send-off and she's already been killed off, you know, I, I give them props for the movie being as decent as it was. Right, especially when not only, like, I really like the word use interquel, but you, the before and after of this movie are set in stone, you know, so they got to kind of worm their way in between all these uh, you know, plot pillars that have already been set up and not retcon anything. So, and, and of course, Disney's Marvel is probably the go-to example for how to continuity. So, you know, of course, they're going to weave and, and dodge and turn in, in, in between those devices or those uh, stories that have already taken place. Uh, so props to them for not only doing what you said, but also kind of making the puzzle piece that needed to fit in in the spot that was already made for it, basically. Yeah. And, you know, uh, before this, didn't really care about Black Widow, but this movie, for a character I didn't give two shits about before, made me care for two hours and ten minutes or whatever. So, yeah, not a great movie. You know, I probably won't watch it again. Who knows? Probably forget about it in a year or whatever. But, yeah, no, it was all right. I give it, like, a 6.5, 7 out of 10. Yep. Classic uh, Marvel middling, seven out of 10 from me. Didn't, didn't love it, didn't hate it, um, was entertained. More action, please. Unfortunately, I can't ask for more ScarJo, so can't wait for Florence Pugh's movie or, or the Hawkeye movie featuring Florence Pugh. I guess I wanna see her more in this universe. So we don't just call ourselves the movie talkers because we talk about movies, but we also hate movie talkers. They piss us off. Big uh, time. Yeah, to say the least, I guess. And we can't stand it, and I have no problem asking people to stop talking if they are talking to the movie. Uh, with uh, this one, I didn't really notice any movie talkers themselves. We kind of uh, swapped seats to sit at the bottom area where there was nobody. There was someone that laughed at like every little quip. Just like with Fast uh, 9, there's, there's always someone in the theater that every little bullshit quip and throwaway joke plays to them. But outside of that, yeah, I couldn't fault anybody in the theater. No, I couldn't fault anybody in the theater. No, no talking. But yeah, there was a. It, it was more than one person. It was at least three distinct laughs that I could pick out. That they, I think they're they, all sitting together because anytime something funny would happen, it would be like a gaggle of like giggles, and then one person would be just like laughing their brain out or something like that. Yeah, but other than that, uh, some obnoxious laughter to the point to where like I, I didn't find a lot of the humor in this very funny. I, like I didn't laugh at all. Uh, I was actually kind of giggling at just all of the other people's laughter. I was like, man, these people are really loving this movie. I felt like I was in a sitcom because of just hearing some of those distinct laughs. It's like when you're watching a sitcom and you hear like a very distinct laugh out of Someone's all the Someone's pressing others. all the buttons on the laugh yeah. box. Yeah, it was, it was, just, uh, it was just bizarre. And, uh, but before the movie, uh, what was funny is I was waiting in the lobby for you to show up. And, you know, we were at the Alamo Draft House, right? You know, it's a dine-in theater, no concession stand or anything. So you walk in, it's a lobby that just has the box office counter and a bar around it where you sit and have drinks. So I was waiting in the lobby for Grant to show up and this old man walks in and he has like a, some war uh, cap on, Korean War or something probably. He's all tatted up and everything. He's super old war vet dude. He walks in there. 
he's like looking around and he looks down at me and sitting there at the couch and I look up at him. He's like, what kind of movie theater don't have popcorn? And then I, before I, I was, it was like, uh, before I could say anything, the manager or whatever at box office was like, oh, sir, are you here for a movie? And then he looks over and he walks up and was like, yeah, I, I want to watch a movie. Well, what kind of movie theater don't have no popcorn? <laughs> and then the guy gives him the whole spiel about like, cause he's like, oh, you've never been here before. Yeah. You know, you write down a card and people, they serve you and blah, blah, blah. And the, the manager explained it so quick, like the way where he's like trying to just get the guy to go away. I was like, this guy doesn't understand what you're saying. And I just, I just thought it was so amusing that this old, old, old man walks in and he's, he's wanting to watch a movie and have his popcorn, damn it. Just like he did back in the, the day at the Nickelodeons. And there's no popcorn when he walks in. That, that's the kind of, it reminds me of when we worked at the theater and a, a guy came up and asked whether or not the Fantastic Four was a Western. He's very, very old gentleman, very sweet. He's thinking about the Magnificent Seven. I can see the confusion. 